You are listening to the Word of Grace podcast. We're a small church with a big vision to reach unchurched, dechurched, and underchurched people by presenting a Pentecostal, full gospel message. It is our prayer that this message you're about to hear would illuminate the truth, offer freedom, and honor Christ. Thanks for listening. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. As you can see today, for just a little bit, we're going to talk about being better together. Uh, one of the greatest blessings that the Lord has designed for us is that we're able to live and flourish really as members of community. That God really designed humanity to live together, to stick together, to grow together. Um, of the two institutions the Bible tells us that the Lord created, uh, the first one was the family, and the second one is the church. And I believe that even today, God moves and ministers in families, but also in the local church. I'm really more convinced than ever that God has good plans for the lives of his children. Do you believe that? I, I, I've been trying for years to convince people that God has a good plan for their life, that the plan that you, that you had... Uh, might be a good plan, but God's plan's great, and God plans greater. He has a plan for our marriages. He has a plan for our families, for our finances. He has a plan for our health, for our work. And God will give us what I call a, a rock-steady, productive life if we, if we find our place in this world, including the local church. I got the, I got the team to sing Church Take Me Back. Um, I wish it was take me back to church because that's easier for me to say. Um, but I heard that. And I sit at my desk and, and uh, I said, wait, what, what did he say? So I played the song again, Chris, and I played the song again. And, and uh, it just reminds me of my particular situation. You see, my, my testimony is, and most of you have heard this before, that there was a time in my life that I, I'd really messed my life up. I had made so many self-destructive decisions, and and it was it was just a mess. Um, not a theoretical mess. I mean, it was just a mess, Tammy. It was just a mess. I was in my mid-20s. It didn't take me near as long to destroy my life as what other people did. And um, and the Lord showed up and started ministering to me, but... But honestly, it's, it, yes, it's, it's the Word of God. Yes, it was the leading and the prompting of the Spirit of God. Yes, it was all of that. But listen, make no mistake, Jesus used church to save me. That, that's just the truth with me. He, he used, he used a, a handful of preachers and hundreds of church people to minister life and grace to me. Over the span of now, I don't know, 25 years, um, but it, he used church. He didn't. He he just told me get up and go back to church, and so that's what I did. And I started. I fell in love with preachers then, even before I ever had any idea that I would. You know, it's like, man, I just love the preacher, and and um, I love the Sunday school teachers and the people that were making the sacrifice to try to to bring the word of God into my life. So anytime that I have the opportunity, you know, it's, it's really, maybe now it may sound self-serving because, yes, we need people here. We have terrific vision and plan, and 
all that sort of stuff. And we need, we take up the offering because there's people to save and places to go and light bills to pay. And I'm so thankful for air conditioning, ain't you? Um, but at the end of the day, man, it's church and church folks that just keep me going. And if all I thought about the world was what I saw of it at Walmart, I would be depressed. I taught in public school here for 10 years, uh, four years in Texas. And so um, I've always loved children. Uh, but if, if, if I thought for the future what I saw, you know, running the streets of town, if I thought that's where we were headed, I'd say, oh, Jesus. I'd be trying to figure out how to live somewhere else. The problem is, where's that going to be? Because I've been lots of places, and there ain't no place better than here. There's not. This is the best place in the world. I've been, well, I can't, I can't say I've been all over the world, but I've been to a bunch of it, and there's no place better than here. Um, so, you know, our, our soul finds peace and joy and, um, and that sense of belonging that we all yearn for only when we kind of join arms together and, and, and connect with a group that's trying to do something to make make life better, not just for the individuals within the group, well, that's kind of cultish, but for people outside the group, that's churchish. So, you know, when we're kids, we connect first to our mothers, then, you know, our mamas come first. This is mamas come first, amen. My mama's sitting here, my wife's sitting here, one of my two daughters is sitting here, mamas come first. And so kids connect to their mamas. Um, and then their daddies and other people, you know, that, that, that are around them and stuff like that. And then, then they start connecting to other family members and close friends. And before, you long, before long, they start connecting to their little cousins. And it's just really sweet to see Scarlett, who's this big, wagging around her little cousins, like Aaliyah, who's, you know, this big. You just look at it and just go, that's pretty cute right there. Um, so, you know, little kids, they start connecting, and they need touch, and they need friends, and then, you know, we put them on teams and watch them get out there, and, and they'll, you know, play t-ball or kick the ball around or whatever they're doing and dance, you know, where they're supposed to be looking at each other, and this is real cute to watch them little, little girls in their tutus up there, you know, and, and uh, all that sort of stuff because people then, you know, develop some friends, and uh, before long, you know, they, they start to have fun and develop their purpose and find structure and one of the things that we do with that is we teach them that it is impossible to win a game by yourself, you know, unless it's tetherball or something, you know. I mean, it's just really difficult. Um, it's impossible to find life's greatest successes and joys without being vitally connected to a group. You see, we are much better together. And I am convinced, and you can see that I wanted you to be able to read it as I, as, as I was saying it, um, I am convinced that the best group that gives you the support, that, that celebrates with you, that mourns with you, that laughs with you. We were, we're in Job in Sunday school, and, and uh, it was kind of heavy today. I cannot imagine suffering in this life without having a group of, of friends at church that suffer with me, that will show up people that will laugh with you and cry with you. It's the church that does that. It's the church that shows up. And so we love each other through family and financial problems, health problems, emotional problems. Together, I believe, we change the world. We're just better together. God used the church to save my life, 
And I believe he can use church to save yours too. I've just seen it happen too many times. Um, I've also seen the reverse too many times where people in their desperation, they, they cry out to God. God begins to, to do something in their lives. He delivers them. He changes them. He encourages them. And then they decide, you know, that they need to do something else on Sundays. And before long, it's back to the same old, same old. And, and uh, God didn't change. They, what they did was they didn't quit loving Jesus. They just quit thinking that loving his people was that important. And the next thing you know, you can tell on Facebook they're back to being a mess, and it don't take them very long. It really don't. So the deal is, you know, it, it's, it is a vital relationship. It is not a relationship of convenience. That's the reason it matters where you go to church. It matters. Thank you, Sumner. It really matters. It's about doctrine, and it's about relationship. Um, when Paul was speaking to the elders of the church at Ephesus, he told them, uh, Acts chapter 20, you can turn over there, I'm going to read one verse and then we're going to pray. I don't have a whole big, big, fat, full, heavy sermon for you guys today because I know that you want some cheeseburgers and stuff. Some, uh, somebody might have came just for the cheeseburger, I don't know, but you're going to have to listen to me preach for just a few minutes. Take heed, Acts 20, 28, says, Take heed, therefore, unto yourselves... And to all the flock over which the Holy Ghost had made you overseers. Take heed to yourself. So this is actually a letter to bishops and to, and to church leaders, deacons, Sunday school teachers, stuff like that. He said you need to take heed to yourself first uh, over the flock. Um, it says to feed the church of God. And this is, this is my point is that he purchased the church with his own blood. And so the church, and therefore each member individually, has an incredible, extraordinary value. Not because of what you do for us and for each other, but because of the price that was paid for you. So let's pray on that note. Father, thank you so much. Lord, we give you glory and praise. We acknowledge that you have been with us in our worship, and we, we are grateful that now as we share this simple truth that we find in your word, that Jesus is real, and that he becomes real to us, and that you flood our lights, Lord Jesus, with, eye, uh, with light that we might see. Flood our eyes with the light. Help me to say that right. Flood our eyes with the light. And open our ears to hear. And like we were talking about recently, Lord, give us hearts that are open, fertile ground for your word to be sown into so that we can become fruitful, fruitful members, flourishing members of your kingdom. And it's in Jesus' name that we pray, and everybody said amen. Hallelujah. You see, it's the church that's blood-bought. It, it's, it's the church that's the earthly home, if you will, the gathering place of the redeemed. It's just where, it's where the redeemed go to hang out for the, the, people that, um, the people that acknowledge freely that their lives are not their own. You know, it's easier to get up and go to church when you realize that your time belongs to Jesus. It doesn't belong to you. And when we're talking about the church, we're not just talking about a building that kind of has something to do with it, of course. I mean, we've got to have some place to go. Uh, it's not a de denomination, certainly. It's, um, it's, it's not even just one small group of believers that love each other enough to get up, get dressed, leave the house early on Sunday morning so we can come up here and, 
and listen to the worship team sing and have Sumner lead us and listen to me prattle on for a little bit. Um, it's, it's not just that, it's kind of part of it, but the church, you see, it's, it's where most of us, me included, we learn to hear from Jesus at church through men and women who have sacrificed their time and dedicated their lives to singing and preaching Jesus crucified, resurrected, and ascended to the right hand of God. And so, man, I just, I love preachers. I am one, but I love, I love preachers. I love people that will dedicate themselves to trying to bring me closer to Jesus. I love worship leaders. We just need people that will bring us into the, help us get into the presence of the Lord. Because a lot of times, uh, Chris will tell you, Chris, a lot of times you come to church, you've you got something else on your mind when you first get here, right? It's not just me and it's not just Chris. It's, it's everybody. We get here and, 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 and sometimes we brought something with us. Uh, Carla and I learned a long time ago we couldn't ride in the same car to church. Mm-mm, we don't. We don't share a bathroom, and we don't ride in the same car to church. Cause I love her, and she loves me, and we want to stay loving everybody. Right? No place. So that's the deal. If I'm fin to preach, now my wife is my biggest cheerleader, but we can't ride to church together. Uh-uh. No, and 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 I'm saying that you know kind of lighthearted, but. But the truth of the matter is, it's so important. You just got to do whatever you got to do to get there and then get in the right frame of mind quick. Got to get in the right frame of mind quickly. <laughs> We're going to get back to the Bible because y'all don't want to just hear my stories. I've, I've, I've listened to a lot of preaching over the last few days, and, and I've heard some good stories, and a couple of them forgot to... A couple of them forgot to bring their Bible, I feel like. So we're going to, I'm going to try not to do that. Uh, Romans chapter 12. Y'all know those kind of, uh, y'all know them kind of preachers out there that won't even read their Bible. They'll talk for 45 minutes and you wonder where the verse is. Romans 12, 4. God help me not to be that guy. Just as our bodies have many parts and each part has a special function. And so, you know, right in just a few minutes, we're going to rejoice that our taste buds work right. Because who don't like a cheeseburger? Nobody, everybody likes a cheeseburger. I, I leave the States for two or three weeks and I get back and I want a cheeseburger. Pizza sometimes, but mostly I want a cheeseburger. Pizza will roll around. It's like, it's like the taste of home, you know. A cheeseburger is America. So uh, our bodies have, have many parts and we all understand that. So the Apostle Paul is using a, a, a body analogy is what he's doing. He's not trying to be flippant. He said, so it is with Christ's body. You see, we are the, the body of Christ, uh, members in particular. So the analogy is that each one of us have a role to put, play in the body of Christ. Uh, the church is also referred to as the bride of Christ. That's the reason uh, it makes me nervous when I start hearing people pick on the church and say the church ain't nothing but, and I want to run hide for lightning to strike because he's picking on the bride of Christ. You, wanna, you want to get my ire up quick? You say something ugly about my wife, it's unfounded, baby. You, we going to wrestle. If quick and in a hurry, like she'll tell you, I'll show out. Sometimes she has to get me to calm down a little bit. <laughs> it really wasn't that bad, Carol. I don't care. Mm-mm. 
And so sometimes, you know, I hear people talking about the church this and the church that and the preacher this and the preacher that. And I just wondered, they read that part in the Bible where it says the church of God is, is blood-bought, it's spotless, it's without wrinkle, and it belongs to Jesus. And it belongs to him so much he uses the, the illustration of that's my bride. And so all the guys in the room, you know, that's, you know, you kind of, it's like, uh, if I walked up and poked your wife in the eye, somebody would get mad. <laughs> and it wouldn't take long. And so, you know, uh, just as a little side warning there, don't be making fun of the church. That's the bride of Christ, and Jesus, will, Jesus got the church's back. He says, so it is with Christ's body. We are members of one body. And the, the emphasized part here for us today is that we all belong to each other. Do you see that in, in the Bible? Right up there, I don't know what version you've got, members in particular, but we all belong to each other. Uh, in His grace, uh, God has given us different great gifts for doing certain things well. So there are things in my life that I can do well, and there are things in my life that I cannot do well. I, I do not, I, my mind is not mechani mechanically inclined. Um, I don't see all the little moving parts. I can't even say the word right. Um, I see a hole, but all the gazillion little parts in there, if one of them breaks, I'm the guy that has to pay the Kubota place $105 an hour to fix the thing because I don't want to tear it up. I'm that guy. So what, what are you saying that for? I know what I can do and I know what I can't do. And so it is with the body of Christ. See, uh, there are people in this room that can do things I can't do. It, it, I like to study and talk. And I, somehow or another, I get to make my living doing those two things. I don't, you know, it's just what God's put in my heart. I've always liked to study. I don't know that I've always liked to talk. And privately, not so much. But talking to you guys or hundreds of you guys, either one of them don't matter. Uh, it gets down to one or two. I might get a little nervous. But a room full of people, as a matter of fact, the more people, the better. It's just easier. No big deal. No problem. I enjoy that. Everybody's got a deal. Everybody's got a thing. And the, and the thing is about it, and I'm using uh, too many words like thing, but uh, the, the, the good part about it is when everybody kind of gets in their place and starts doing what they can do to serve God and people, it just hums along a whole lot better. You see, though, we are many, uh, many beliefs, many members, many ideas, many ideals, yet in Christ Jesus together we are one. And so together, not just our local church and the few handfuls of us that are here, and of course there's people not here today, they're off doing other things, like every church in town. But when the church universal gets together, it can do tremendous things. So don't allow the world to convince you that the church is at war with itself. It's really not true. It's really not. Um... Organized church and religion could function much smoother with far less glitches. I know that, and every person um, that's associated with church knows that it could run smoother. That bureaucracy is a thing within the church, and we don't like it, but there has to be some sort of organizational structure. Uh, otherwise, it's just a mess, and so we know that, and people try really hard, but every once in a while, things just happen. Um, we could depend on more uh, uh, each other and more of the unity of the Spirit 
than our organizational structures. I, I know that. Everybody does. The church has its problems, we know. But what organization does not? You could, you could have, you could be self-employed in a one-man business and have organizational problems. You want to, the boss wants to fire the chief cook and bottle washer any given day. You'd be a one-man show and say, I got to write a new policy manual for this guy. It's just, <laughs> that's right, you tell them. It's just kind of how it is, you know. And, and so the devil, if he can get people convinced that the church is the one, you know, out there uh, calling people names and being ugly to people, you know, well, the church is causing all the problems. For years, you know, it's kind of been the thing now. Uh, the church is causing problems. Because some lunatic church in Ohio's picketing vets' funerals and stuff. I mean, it's just, you know, it's like, uh, don't even call them a church. It's not a church. Don't call them that. I don't care if they call themselves that. That's not what that is. Um, I learned a long time ago that just because they have a cross out front and church in their name don't mean it is one. Um, but, but listen, it's the church of Jesus Christ that's at work preaching, preaching Jesus and him crucified and seeing millions of people born into the kingdom. The church is, what's, is, is what and who is reaching out to the broken, the hurting, and the marginalized in remarkable ways. It's the body of Christ that's still rescuing, educating, feeding, providing medical care, appropriate clothing, and, 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 and essential disaster relief. So I, was, I wanted to share with you three or four things and organizations that we support financially just so you would have an idea of what I'm talking about when I say compassion-type ministries. and uh, Our own... Um, our own Compassion Center, I don't know if I put that up there or not or how, what order I put this in, but our own Compassion Center, uh, Christy Bryan administrates it, serves between 50 and 80 families in Hempstead County and the surrounding areas every month, between 50 and 80 families that just need a little help to get through. Uh, they, uh, we, were, we were open yesterday, April Bryant came all the way home and worked, and Stormy worked, did you work yesterday? Um, the news to me was y'all saw 67, 68, something like that. Does that sound about right? And we're able to pray with a bunch of people. Um, and so, you know, just helping 60-something families yesterday, it may not seem like a lot, but it is a lot. And we're trying our best to make it a better place for families to live. It's important. Um, dad, once a quarter, drives. He takes, well, the last, for the last, I don't know, three or four trips, he's taken my truck and the big box van that Terry gave us just for the sole purpose, really, of running to Springfield and back hauling stuff. So Terry gave it the trailer. We put some new tires on it the other day, or a new tire. I don't remember how many I put on there. Anyway, and, and hauling, it, hauling it up there, loading it down with stuff at the Rural Compassion or really the Convoy of Hope Center, bringing it back and giving it away. And people all over this church volunteer one Saturday every once in a while to go up there and just help. It costs the church, if I'm not mistaken, somewhere in the neighborhood of about 250 bucks a month. Patty, is that about right? About $250 a month to help those 75 families. So what is that, three bucks a family, something like that, four, not even... And so it costs us three or four bucks to pay for the utilities and the diesel that, you know, um, to go up there uh, and the, all the supplies that are necessary, uh, all the volunteers, everybody that works, it volunteers, nobody, we don't even buy them lunch. I mean, it's pure volunteer. 
Um, so for about 250 bucks a month, we're able to help people in such a way that seems like a pretty good investment of the church's resources. It really does. Um, I, I mentioned Convoy of Hope. Uh, the Convoy of Hope has helped more than 100 million people around the world. Uh, we partner with them by helping rule compassion. Um, they share food, water, emergency supplies. They even teach people how to farm. Um, they help people in poverty and disease and hunger. Uh, listen, when Carl and I were in Turks and Caicos a couple of weeks ago and the, and the hurricane was a-coming, um, I was doing some studying and, you know, we were trying to figure out what do we do. we stay? Do we go? Do we stay? Do we go? What are, what's happening here? Um, I told you the other day that half of my class had mamas in the Bahamas while that hurricane was sitting there. Uh, you know, everybody loves their mama, and the hurricane is sitting there, and everybody, you know, you, 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 all of life really shuts down when you look on the news because, you know, everybody, everybody had news. And so you, there's a, a class, a Category 5 hurricane sitting on top of your mama's house. How many of you know you learn how to pray? You learn how to pray. Um, do you know while that was taking place, Convoy of Hope was already mobilizing semis, dozens of semis full of rescue supplies and people to get to, to get to New Orleans, Houston, and Miami so that they could hit those ports. And as soon as that stupid hurricane was out of the way, they could get people and supplies to the Bahamas. And you helped do that. You helped do that. You helped buy some of the water. You helped um, admit, run some of the administrative costs. You do that. So thank you so much. Um, it's just incredible. I was telling them when we were sitting there, uh, they're really freaking out. I said, they said, uh, they're telling me, Carol, we're going to need a lot of help. Not just the Bahamas, not just my mom and them. They said, this is going to affect everything. I said, I want you to know that before the month is over, our church is going to take up an offering to help. But you can rest assured, I know beyond a shadow of a doubt, there will be dozens of semis on the road to Miami to, to get on those ships. Because they can get from Miami to the Bahamas real quick and in a hurry like. I said, there'll be dozens of them. There'll be, there'll, there will be cargo ships and tanker ships on their way just as fast as they possibly can because of the people of God. It's the church that funds that. Coca-Cola and Hobby Lobby and, and, uh, and Lowe's, they do make donations. Thank God for those corporations that do that, but it's the church that sees them get there. It's the church. It's the church that does that. It's the church that funds that. It's you that sees that that gets done. And, and guess what? If it didn't, it wouldn't. If you didn't, it wouldn't get done. Um, Compact Ministries, that one's up there for you. Hot Springs. Uh, it serves uh, and provides essential resources to help churches and, and others um, redeem vulnerable children and families. They're trying to help orphans, but they're also, uh, they also have a contract with the state. It's, I think, about two years old now to provide training and uh, relief to foster parents. They want to help local ch churches provide care for about 13,000 of the orphans that we have um, that have need of. It, they, they say there's about 430,000 orphans, and they're trying. Four, 400,000. 430, actually, is the number I, I, I was given. And then, of course, we, we support for international and we are free. Uh, they are on the front lines fighting human trafficking. I looked some new statistics up for you guys just so I could, I could uh, throw them out here at you. Um, 
In 2018, there were 11,000 human trafficking uh, cases reported uh, in the U.S., 11,000 reported. Um, of those 11,000, uh, that means there were between 15, the numbers range between 15 and 22,000 victims. These are the reported. How many of you know that's just scratching the surface? And of those 11,000 reports, 8,000 of them uh, were sex trafficking. That's what was reported, 8,000 victims in the United States of sex trafficking. How many of you know people need Jesus? And Jesus is the only answer. And so we support Free International and we're free because somebody's got to do something. Carla and I have been to Thailand. We've been in the neighborhoods. We drove by the brothels. We drove by the places. We've been within spitting distance where you can buy a kid for three bucks. Three bucks. What's, what's the value of human life? The blood of Jesus. What do people pay for them? Three bucks. Three bucks will get you a kid. People need Jesus. I'm just telling you. Um, so, speaking through the voice of the Holy Ghost, the Apostle Paul tells us that we, we're going to get back to our text here, we belong to each other. And because of that, we have a responsibility to be a part of the group doing the best that we can. Um, we've been bought with a price. We believe that that price is the blood of Jesus. And uh, our lives are not, I even put that up there, I want you to read that. Our lives are not our own to live however we want to. I, I know, you know, that may not even sound American. I don't know. But we don't get to live however we want to. He's called us to develop our talents, our gifts, to love, to serve, to work, and administer his grace to others so that we can influence people to turn to him. When we're missing the necessary folks, being in their place, the entire body suffers. So we have a place for you here. Um, we have a place for the people that aren't here this morning that we're supposed to be here today. Um, you belong here or somewhere where you can serve Jesus together with other people making our community a better place to live. Um, peaceful, safer, wealthier. So we're going to read uh, the 1 Corinthians 12, 18. Turn over there. We're just going to read a couple of more of these body metaphor verses. 1 Corinthians 12, 18 says, But not now God hath set the members, every one of them in the body, as it hath pleased him. So the best place any of us can ever be is where? The place that Jesus has for us. That place is where the greatest blessing, where his peace, his joy, and his grace are going to flow freely. It pleases Jesus to put you where you're supposed to be. It might be here. It might be somewhere else. We have a place for you here. We believe that we're better together here. Um, we have a place for everybody to fit in and to do something to make a difference. Um, but we got to be somewhere. we got to be connected somehow. Um, verse 25 of the same chapter says, So that there should be no division in the body, but that its parts should have equal concern one for another. Um, it, it, it seems to me, I, I read verses like this, and, and I'm reminded of the fact that Jesus knew that there was coming a day when people were simply have to be told to care for one another. So one of the reasons that the church is so important is that this is where we live out our concern for our friends and our neighbors. That's where this is lived out. Paul is, of course, calling for unity, 
uh, and rejecting the notion that we can just do our own thing or go on, go on our way. He wants us to partner with others. So Jesus is on your side, and he's on our side, and I believe together we are better. It is, it is when we together show care for one another that life becomes actually far more meaningful. You know, um, and, it, and it seems like that message is probably going to be needed more and more and more as the years pass. You know, Carla, Carla grew up in a little community, and I didn't ask permission to use this illustration, so I don't think I'll get in trouble for it. But um, her great-grandmother uh, lived just a couple of houses down. They lived there on the same place. Not her grandmother, her great-grandmother. And her great-grandmother was poor, really poor. But... What she could do is uh, cook. And so Carla's great-grandmother, when families were down, would cook soup, food. And she might not have could afford you know, gas or whatever, but she'd make sure that she would go see and ask about and take food to people in the community when they were sick and when they were down and out because that's what she could do. Her son-in-law, Carla's grandfather, grew a great big garden. I say great big garden. I mean, Lord have mercy, he's 80 years old and farming two or three acres, you know. Um, made sure they had food, always fresh food. And so Granny Merchant, I'm, I'm looking forward to meeting her in heaven because I've heard so much. But uh, one thing's for sure is that, you know, you go to a little bitty church in the middle of nowhere, but when somebody's hurting, everybody's hurting, and Granny can make some soup. And you don't have to do everything. I, we don't need everybody to do everything. But for the love of God, if you can make some soup, I believe you'll have a reward in heaven just as great as, just as, great as your favorite televangelist. Amen. Thank you. It's just true. Um, just give Jesus what you got, and that's enough. Just do what you can do. Verse 26, it says, And whether one member suffer, all the members suffer with it. The one member will be honored, all the members rejoice with it. Now you're the body of Christ and members in particular. You know, a great way to lessen, lessen, L-E-S-S-E, and lessen our pain and stress is to learn to bear each other's burden. So I um, didn't go to the movies to see the movie Breakthrough, but a lot of the women in the church did, I know. And I kept hearing, this is really good. This is really good. So a few weeks ago... We rented the movie Breakthrough. Have y'all seen the movie? Does anybody know what I'm talking about? There's a few of you that have seen the movie Breakthrough. Um, there's one particular line that the pastor, of course, likes, and, and that's when uh, uh, the pastor goes to see the boy's mama in the hospital, and she's really, I mean, she's just crushed, and she didn't really like him very much anyway, and every pastor can kind of identify with that. And She's hurting, and, and she looks at him, and she says, this is just not a good time, Jason. And he said, that's why I'm here, Joyce. That's, that's why I'm here. She's kind of glared at him a little bit. He just sit down. And we've been talking in Sunday school, you know, about what to do and how, how to handle people's grief. And, and the best thing to do is when people are hurting, just show up and sit down and don't say, you don't have to say much other than I love you and God loves you and I'm here. And I really like that line in that movie. It's ministered to me since. Um, Exodus chapter 17, I'm closing in just a second tells a story of the battle between the Israelites and the Amalekites. And it, God's teaching the Israelites, one more time, the incredibly valuable lesson of teamwork. 
So they figured out, I don't know, the Bible doesn't even say how they figured out. All I know is they figured out that if, when Moses is standing on the mountain and there's a valley out in front of them where they're fighting, because, you know, people fight in valleys, and there's valleys all over the place over there. And if Moses' hands were lifted up, then the Israelites were winning the, would win the battles. The, the, the fighting would swing in their favor. But when Moses' arms started getting tired and started dropping, then the tide swung and the Amalekites started winning the battle. So what they decided to do was Aaron got on one side and Hur got on the other, and they sat there on the rock with Moses, and one of them held up one arm, and one of them held up the other arm. And there's all sorts of ways that we could talk about that, but at the end of the day, the idea that God was trying to teach them was that, that Moses, even, even he's Moses, even Moses can't see it all the way through by himself. Moses, it's fine, sweetheart. Moses needed somebody to just hold him up. Now, it does not take a ter terrific amount of skill, Kelly, to sit underneath somebody's arm and just let them rest it right there. That, that, you know, that didn't, you don't know how to run a, you don't have to know how to run a PowerPoint. You don't have to know how to play a keyboard or a trumpet. You don't know how to, have to know how to run children's church. You don't even, you don't even know, have to know how to mow the grass and run a weed eater. All you have to know is how to sit down. And every one of you have proven that you have that skill. <laughs> That's all you have to do is just be able to sit and let Moses rest his arm on your shoulder. And that was enough. To see the whole battle turn. The whole battle turn. People just need to be a part of a support system. It's kind of the lesson there. People need to be a part of a support system. Um, uh, you say, well, I don't really need a support system right now. Yeah, yeah, well, you will soon. And um, I've had times in my life where I really needed a support system. And, and over the last 25 years, I can tell you, I have a really good family, solid on both sides, um, a lot of support, no doubt whatsoever. But the greatest support system has always been the local church. It's just always been. Um, and so today I want to ask, ask you to ask God to put you in your place in his body so that you might serve him and others. That, that's what I want you to do. And I want you to remember Romans 12, 6, that says, In His grace, God has given us different gifts for doing certain things well. You, you can do things well. Is, you're probably, you probably have a skill or two that's better than, as well, as good as or better than anybody else's in this room. And because of that, you can use that skill, that talent, that ability to serve God in his body. And so let's pray right now. Father, we come to you in the name of Jesus and we thank you for your goodness and your mercy and your kindness. We thank you. Uh, we thank you for our place in your body. That whatever you have called us to be, whatever role you have called us to be in, um, whether it, you know, be like me and just blabbermouth or or somebody with the ability to rock a baby to sleep and do it gently. Uh, thank you, Jesus, for every one of these people skills that you have given us, uh, technical skills, other things that we need in order just to function together 
And so, Jesus, I just pray right now that you would work in somebody, some man, some woman's heart, and, and lead them to a place where they understand better now that they need to be vitally connected to you, to your body. And so I'm going to ask a simple question on everybody. There's just, there's just a few of us here today, so if you just kind of be in prayerful surrender, you know, like the old people used to say. Uh, I'm going to ask if you, if you say, listen, I believe God is calling me uh, to step up my game in this area. All I, I'm not, I'm not going to get you to come to the front. This is not you joining our church. I'm not even asking you if you need to be born again. You just really feel like you're in your heart. God is, is calling you to make a greater commitment to serve Him by serving and loving others. And so I'm seeing hands already go up. If that's you, just raise your hand. Thank you very much. There's hands going up all over the place. And so, Father, right now, in the name of Jesus, for every person that raised their hand, I pray, God, that you just do a work in them right now, both to will and to do of your own good pleasure. Obviously, God, you, your spirit is at work in them, and they're feeling nudged in a specific area in their lives. I ask you, God, uh, to give them revelation of what you would have them do and the next step that they need to take, whether that's talk to me or just spend time in prayer. Um, and fasting so that they might hear from you. Father, thank you for each person that's, that's feeling this in their heart that there's changes coming. Not, in, not even necessarily in their commitment level, but in their dedication to commit themselves, all of themselves, over to you. I thank you, Jesus, for the opportunity to share simple stories and messages like this that offer hope for transformation so Jesus take this simple word and use it to advance your cause and your kingdom Lord I pray for every person here Lord especially our guests thank you so much for sending guests our way today I pray God that you will have blessed them uh, if, if, if I said nothing that encouraged them I know that the worship service did. But God, take something that they heard in this place today and, and drive it down deep in their heart and make them long for something deeper and more. Bless them in Jesus' name. Thanks again for listening to the Word of Grace podcast. We are located in Hope, Arkansas, and our service times are 1030 Sunday mornings and 630 Wednesday nights. You can find our live streams on our Facebook page and learn more about who we are at wog-hope.com. That's w-o-g-hope.com. See you soon. God bless.